Hi guys, you may be seated. Thanks. I think Jason got ahead of me because I was just thinking actually that the joy of Father's Day is your children. And and really Jason and Sue have been the best spiritual children. Because as as Jay said, it's about your destination, it's about where you're going. And um I remember when Sue was saved, she was raw in Christianity and how She's allowed the Holy Spirit and the leadership to be there and just the awesome team that you have. And I think there's a lot, there's a few old people here that would be my spiritual children. Would, would, yeah, that, and I don't mean that sarcastically. It's absolutely awesome to see people that have been under my ministry over so many years. Great. I am going to speak to you about a topic that is really, it's, it's kind of making me passionate. The mysterious church. Father, please just give us insight, revelation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to talk and focus on a mystery, the mystery of the church. And before we go ahead, what is a mystery? It's either something that's unknown or a secret that's a mystery, or it's something that's not easy to understand or, or suss out. Human nature loves mysteries, and we know that books and movies and documentaries have been written about mysteries like the Loch Ness Monster and the Bermuda Triangle, etc., etc., aliens. And um, so we love a mystery. But you know something? That prior to the Apostle Paul receiving revelation, the church was a mystery from eternity. Did you know that? From angels and demons and everybody else. And I want to say this, I believe that the church is a huge mystery to the human race and has to be the most misunderstood institution in the history over the last 2,000 years. Yet, it is the greatest survivor. Did you know that? Um, And I think, tragically, the church is a mystery to most Christians. Sorry, (laughs) I think the way Christians respond to the church and live in the church, I think it's a mystery. And you know where the first problem comes is that people think the church is a social organization led by controlling conservative leaders who've decided on a kind of outdated set of rules and practices kind of based on books and things written 2,000 years ago, and they're not really with the times. Wouldn't you agree? i tell you, for a lot of Christians, they're what you could even call Christian atheists, because the Bible is the great suggestion. And, um, and where it doesn't fit into modern life, they believe different things. Well, guys, I want to tell you the truth. The church is a spiritual living organism led by the resurrected risen Lord and by his Holy Spirit. Seriously, guys, um, it is a great mystery. How do you understand something that is led by Jesus Christ on the right hand of the Father? Um, We can't see the Holy Spirit with our visible eyes. Um, And You know, so many people have tried to destroy the church. It's been attacked. It's been banned. It's been outlawed. It's been persecuted. 
Um, and I, I don't know the validity of statistics, but a researcher, David D. Barrett, says that since Christ, 70 million people have been martyred for the faith. For Jesus and his church. In fact, between two, uh, two, uh, uh, 1017 and 1050, um, 15 million Russians died for the cause. And interestingly enough, once again, I'm, I'm not sure of the stats. They say in the last 10 years, close on a million people have been martyred. And they're saying, I believe in the head of the church, Jesus, and I believe in his church, and I'm willing to die for it. Interesting enough, the growth of the church, 10 million people serving God in Africa in 1910. The year 2000, up to 360 million. They say by 2025, there'll be 630 million Christians in Africa. Guys, how do we explain this mystery? The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, um, emphasized that the church was kept a mystery, not only from the angels, but from the forefathers and the prophets. Let me read Ephesians 3, verses 9 to 11. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what God decided to do? He made a decision that the angels in heaven and all the demon powers, and we we read about that in Ephesians 6, verse 12, about authorities and rulers in high places. And thank God in a way that we can't see the, uh, the spiritual world or that dimension. But he said that all his glory would be seen through the mirror of the church. Do you know that heaven leans over and watches the church? They look at, the how, at how we love one another, about how we worship, how we reach out. And they look and see the glory of God. I tell you, this, this, is, this has been a revelation to me. Um, in other words, that when with church meets, we bring heaven to earth. Have you ever thought about that? So obviously, not only the, the angels and the demons, but the world that we live in. It was God's intention. That the world would see his power, his nature, and his full glory in the operation of the life and the life of the church. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, I pray that every day. I'm saying, God, whatever is going on in heaven, we want to see it in church. Where do we see it? So we want to see it on earth. Where do we see it? But in the church. Guys, what what an amazing, massive purpose. What a high purpose for the existence of the church. To bring the glory and the honor and the amazement to God. An amazement that attracts people from all parts of the world. You know what? This can't happen 
without the supernatural love and leadership of Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Guys, we're nothing in this church without Christ, the living Christ who leads this church. I'm not the leader. Jason's not the leader. Jesus is. This church doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Him. Amen. What a, what a releasing truth. I don't have to worry about the church because Jesus said, I will build my church. Amen. Guys, I want to read from an end time prophecy that God has really been bringing to my heart. Um, and it's an interesting thing because the church hadn't been revealed. So he speaks of the mountain of God. So let me read Isaiah 2 verses 2 to 3. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It'll be raised above the other hills and the people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations, see the plural, will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we'll walk in his paths. Guys, isn't that awesome? I pray that every day that people from many nations will stream to the mountain of God and say, come, let us go. Come on. We're going to learn about God's word. We're going to learn from Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal the truth to us. Okay, so the mystery we've got to solve is how does a church full of imperfect human beings end up elevated to a place where it is the most important place on earth? Guys, in our community, Seriously, guys, and this is not a pride issue. In fact, it's tremendous humility. This is the most important place because Jesus is here. <laughs> Absolutely. Wherever Jesus can be found is the most important place on the earth. Guys, the secret lies. What's the secret? Remember the mystery explained? And Paul does that. He explains it. Lies in the intimate relationship that the risen living Christ has with his church a total mystery from a natural perspective. If you walk in here and you haven't given your life to Christ or, or you're confused, you're just thinking, what? And you look around, you know how imperfect we all are. How do we become the most important place? Not because of our, of our sound system and our lights uh, and, and, and our color scheme. That's important. But at the moment... It's because of the, the risen Lord and the way He is impacting, the way He's changing us. Amen. Come on, guys. Um, come get in more excited. Okay, now listen to me. It is a deeply spiritual relationship that is independent of our building, of our coffee, our fellowship over coffee, over our sound system. In fact, Jesus told the woman at the well that from now on in a new dispensation, we are called to worship God in spirit and truth. It's not about location. Because she started talking about location and this and that and traditions in spirit and truth. Let, let's carry this on. Jesus also proclaimed that I am the way and the truth and the life. He didn't say, I will show you. Guys, I will teach you about me. I will teach you the truth. Well, that is the role of the Holy Spirit. But he just said, I am. Guys, we've, we, we've got to connect and to relate to the I am. And one of the problems 
that we can have is that we love the church so much. We get so involved in, in, in getting the worship done and getting the church started on time. And we can be so busy that we don't have this intimate connection. We receive, see, we connect with Jesus when we speak to him, when we worship him, and when we listen to him. Guys, there's something so incredible about even the brief moments of prayer. Of just, guys, you're connecting now with Jesus. That's the goal. You become intimate with him as I speak. Does that make sense to you? And, and so we receive guidance and strength from Jesus. Let me take this one uh, point further. Jesus requires and expects us to worship him corporately. In other words, not just on our own. People say, yeah, I know, I love Jesus. I read my Bible. I go down to the beach. I see the waves. And I kind of communicate. Jesus says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I want you to street. Think of that prophecy that people will say, come let us. He loves it when we gather together. And of course, the word church that's used often in uh, the New Testament is the word ecclesia, which means which means called out to assemble or gather together. That's why we spend so much time and effort on, on renting or buying land and property. Because anyone who's in leadership, we know Jesus wants us to gather together. It's not just about the numbers. We don't just say, wow, you know, the numbers were low. It was great to see how many people. It's the calling. We're called to gather together. And we connect and we're intimate with Him together. So you see, every um, church service is a worship event in that. Um, Whether we're singing, whether we're preaching, whether we're praying, we are in an intimate relationship with Jesus. Guys, we're living in a non-intimate world. Are we not? Where you can switch off and be on social media. I want to say it's time for the church to come back. That we're able to be, to connect. Not just at a distant level. Amen. Are you guys with me? Okay. Now, how did Paul explain this mystery? He explained the mystery of the church at Ephesus by comparing our relationship with him, that is the church, with the intimate relationship of a man and woman who are in love and have got married and have exchanged vows and have come together as one flesh. When, when all of that is in place, when there's love and adoration, when a man and a woman come together, there's an intimacy that can never be, repli- can, can be reproduced in any other way. Those of us that are married, we, you know what I'm talking about. Wow! That, now listen, that's an out there image. Oh, come on! You want to say to me, Graham, we, 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 we need to get intimate. We need to connect. We need to have a, a love experience. There needs to be an adoration. Like a married couple... Guys, that's a mind blast. Somebody once said, don't focus on one image. I don't know. Sorry, help me, Jesus. Okay, yeah. Okay, you, you're saying, Graham, where do you get this from? Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, 
And the two are united into one. Become one flesh, says the NRV and the authorized versions. This is a great mystery. But it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Guys, have you ever thought of comparing your relationship with your spouse with the relationship with Jesus and the church? I've just had such a sense. God, is, God wants to draw it. Guys, we've got, to, we've got to get into closer relationship with Jesus. So guys, it follows then that there's another image that fits in with this called the image of the church being the bride of Christ, with Christ the bridegroom and us the bride. And I want you, when you think of that, you think of wedding, of all the preparation, the anticipation of a new level of love. Guys, do we come to church anticipating a new level of love with Jesus? Guys, it's not about us all getting together for, for an hour and, and shooting off. It's about our relationship with Jesus. Okay, <laughs> that's quite something, isn't it? So once again, you're saying, Graham, where are you getting this from? Are you smoking the pipe Jason was talking about? No, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Whew, thank goodness he didn't say love the church as you love your wife, because some of us could be in trouble. Okay, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Washed, cleansed. He did this to present her to himself. And guys, this is where my message is going. As a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, instead she'll be holy and without fault. There's going to be a time of, of presenting. We're going to be presented to Christ for eternity. And we've lost our idea of eternity. We, we see churches about today. We don't see that time in the future. If I could have that picture of, of Christ and the bride that day. Okay, so Christ loved the church, not just individuals, so much that he died for her in in her capacity as his future bride. He died for his bride so that she could be fully prepared to live with him in eternity as the best husband and wife. Guys, eternity is going to be a massive level up. But you know what? We're getting ready for eternity. Guys, we can't come to church and not, and not show a bit of eternity. We can't go yeah, to heaven one and say, Oh my word, we should say, yeah, sure. Yes, this is certainly upper level, but it does remind me of church last Sunday. Yeah, oh yeah. No, sure, this is just, yeah, thank Jason for, and Sue for the great meetings we have. But this is better. We've got to go back and say, what? Oh my word. My church was never like that. Whew. You see, Jesus is the best example, by the way, for any groom, if you guys are getting married, or husband or father. And so as the church gets intimate with Jesus, so we're able to model all family relationships. Guys, you want to be a great father, a great dad. It should happen in the church. In fact, what happens is that black hole that exists in our hearts because of maybe coming from a dysfunctional family or broken relationships or non-existent relationships, all of that should be healed. And if I could have that photograph up, um, the church is always the hope in the darkness. Guys, if your life is broken, wholeness 
is achieved through your relationship with Jesus and with the church because we're all becoming more and more like Christ. Guys, I'm just getting more and more excited as I speak. I hope you are excited with me. Where the church is the hope of the world because it is the bride of Christ, because it is in relationship with Jesus. Now, the image of a bride and a bridegroom, please, this is Father's Day, speaks of the focus and the intensity and the joy and the nature and the anticipation of a great love relationship. Guys, how many of you got married somewhere along the line? Do you remember that day? And you're sitting there, and then you're edging around, and the bride is late, as they always are. And then the pastor says, let's stand for the bride. And you peep around, and the bridesmaids come, and you think, just come on, man. I just want to see my bride. Woo! And it's exciting, and it's wonderful. Guys, bride and bridegroom, that's what I, when the church gathers together, you think, what's all this thing, and why are we singing all these songs, and why are we worshiping, can't we just bow our heads between our knees and pray or whatever? Guys, that's unbiblical, because we are the bride of Christ, and we are waiting and expecting an amazing Now, for guys, you're thinking, oh, my hat. Are you telling me I've got to wear a wedding dress? No. Guys, we're talking. You see, I believe men are, 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 are great lovers just like ladies. Come on, men. We're, we're not these doer people. I mean, men, men feel pain and they feel love just as much as ladies. So, in a kind of way, guys, we're all kind of the bride. So, just get over yourself if you're thinking this is for ladies. Guys, listen to me the truth. One of the kernel truths Christ gave himself for the bride. You know what he did? He paid the price for our sins. So that the penalty could be paid and the power of sin could be broken. And that's the amazing thing. We all sit here like virgins. And God's just a message. If, 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 if you're getting married or you got married and you're just thinking, oh, before I got saved, I did so much stuff I'm not, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not proud of. You know, the amazing thing is that Jesus uh, uh, thought of trying to think, of, well, what, what image can I use to explain salvation? Born again. It's just as if you were never alive before. Now, for the first time, you're born. And guys, come on. You walk down that aisle. And that's why I believe by God's grace, you can wear that veil. Okay, guys all with me. So that's the amazing thing about us as the bride of Christ. As a future bride, we live in a state of preparation and anticipation. We've lost that. Guys, in a way, we're all bridezilla. Any of you ladies, any of you ladies are bridezilla? Hands up, come on, let's be honest. I had some daughters who I think were bridezilla-ish. Just, just don't let them get hold of this tape, okay? We're, you're so excited, and you're preparing, and you want everything to go right. I remember my daughter who's blonde, um, the night before, the, the, she was at this uh, lady that was doing all, all the stuff, and she just felt like it um, just uh, dyeing her eyebrows dark black. And uh, she was crying and saying, "There's caterpillars on my face." That we had to get, rid- we had to find someone at ten at night uh, to um, restore them to blonde again. And it's all anticipate, guys. When you come to church, we're preparing for that day when we're going to walk down the aisle with Jesus. Come on, let me have that. There, that photograph. We're always, guys. You're always having the suit thing checked, or the places and the food, and what are we going to have for, for? Um, 
for dessert and we're choosing the menu and the venue, all of that stuff. Um, today, that can take a year, right, eh? uh, with some of our bridezillas. Okay, <laughs> Paul made the point that the Lord, who is the Spirit, transforms us into the image of Christ with ever-increasing glory. You find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Guys, when we're here today, we are having our dress fitting, our suit fitting. We are preparing for something amazing. So guys, if we're the actual bride of Christ, there's going to be a wedding feast. Revelation 19. You see, we don't, we don't read these scriptures, but they're amazing. They, they, they're part of, of what we're doing and where we're going. Then I, then I heard again, this is um, in Revelation 19, what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or, or the roar of a mighty ocean. That's the church. Waves or crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Or maybe that was the angels, I don't know. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to Him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And His bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure linen to wear, for the linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. You say, why have you got growth track? Where does growth track fit in? We want to help you to, through faith and through love, to serve others because that's the fine linen and the day's going to come when we are going to have the jewel of a lifetime. She has been given the finest linen and the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Guys, you have never been to a party like that ever. You're blessed when you're invited to that. Awesome. And we got that picture of that great day. Okay, so listen to me, guys. We can't understand the true meaning of this image if we don't grasp the truth that the church exists in a dispensational context. You see, we've lost our sense of dispensation because we no longer talk about end times, because no one knows whether it's pre-pros or mid-trib and all this stuff. Guys, I, I, you can get all caught up with that stuff, but nothing changes the fact that Jesus Christ is returning. And I want you to think of two magnificent mountains with a valley in between. That valley is the journey of the church in the church age. The first mountain is the death of Christ, His resurrection, His ascension to heaven, and the the sending of the Holy Spirit. What a mountain. Everything you and I need is on that mountaintop. But then we're in the valley And we are heading towards the next mountain. Let me read about this again. I want you to join me in excitement. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18. We tell you this directly from the Lord. Paul saying, Revelation. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, With the voice of the archangel, it's going to be noisy. And with the trumpet call of God, first the believers, plural, in the church, who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, always corporate, always together, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. You know what? Something... When you get married on earth, it's till death us depart. And I just attended a, a funeral where I, I, I very seldom see the husband stand up and talk. 
And he said, by God's grace, we've done it till death us depart. This is different. This wedding feast is for eternity. And what a benchmark. This exciting, amazing party is going to be a benchmark for eternity. So you know what? It's so important for every pastor, for every leader, and every member to understand and never forget the reality that we are building towards a glorious future. But you know what happens in that valley? And I've got that picture. We can just show that guy turning around. We allow ourselves to be distracted by pain and opportunities and stuff. And instead of heading towards that mountain, we turn around. And um, God, just, just a little bit of fun. I want to talk about Cinderella. You all know the Cinderella story. Now, Cinderella was living with a wicked stepmother and her ugly, horrible sisters. And she was just serving them because she was such a sweet girl and her friend was a mouse or whatever it was. And, um, and you know, uh, in her heart, she just dreamt of a prince. One day, her fairy godmother comes. Next minute, the, the mice are turned into horsemen and the pumpkin into a, uh, a carriage. Off she goes, yeah, and she meets the prince. They connect. They fall in love. It's amazing. But her warning was, you, you've got to be back by midnight because all this is going to go back. So she's dancing with a prince. We know that the clock starts to chime. She runs for her life. And boy, oh boy, she leaves behind the glass slipper. But you know what? That prince knew who his bride was going to be. Even if you think of the story, like, you know, where the, the shoe is fitted next minute, there's a wedding. So all the time he's preparing for that wedding. And he knows who his bride is and he looks for her. And, of course, there's um, that lovely picture uh, we've got of Cinderella scrubbing the floor. And he comes in with a glass slipper. Can we just have that glass slipper? And everything changes. And can I tell you, some of us, we feel... We're Cinderella in rags, and we're scrubbing the floor, and we're serving our kids and our snotty kids, and they're sick, and we're, we're trying to make money to keep the family going, and it all, you know, our head just sticks up above the waves, and what you forget is that your prince has got the glass fitter, slipper, and he's coming back for you, <laughs> and there is going to be an amazing wedding, Amen. How are we going time-wise? Am I still in time? Hallelujah. Crazy. That's only the Lord. Okay, let me, let, in closing, guys, can I challenge you? Do you mind? Where does all this leave us in the church? You see, we're called to love Jesus, our groom. In other words, grow in relationship with him. Um, if I love Jesus, then I love what he loves. All right? You can't love your wife and not love ballet or whatever. She loves you. I know that. You go to ballet and you go to romantic movies because she loves it. Secret of marriage? You know what? If you love Jesus, you love his church. (laughs) And I want to tell you that our spiritual maturity and our growth in relationship with Jesus is shown through our love for the church. And... um, Something I thought was just interesting. Chap called Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Words of affirmation, quality time, thoughtful gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Do you know that God, God has got a love language for His church? Affirmation. We speak positively about the church. We encourage the pastor and the leaders. We avoid criticism. We deal with problems. We show joy. We arrive at churches if we're happy to be here. Time. 
busy schedules, crazy lifestyles, we make a decision. I'm giving time for the church. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help with outreach. I'm going to work with the kids because I love Jesus and I love his church. I'm going to give my time. Amen. Are you with me? Gifts. I don't have to talk about that. We've all, we've all got things that we give to the church. Then serving. We use our natural and our spiritual gifts. The last thing Jesus did was wash the feet of his disciples. He said, I want you to do likewise. So we're seen serving. And then touch. How do we translate touch? I believe this is translated into our actual presence at meetings. Presence creates atmosphere and spiritual vibrancy. Presence is the way, is way more than your physical presence. It's your personality. It's your spirit. You know, people say, I'm sorry I wasn't there. I was with you in spirit. Well, you know what? We don't need your ghost. We need you. (laughs) Guys, we were created body, soul, and spirit. So guys, in conclusion, I thought that was a a nice little thing. Uh, When you love, if you love the groom, you love his bride. And um, so yeah, guys, let's come back. Last two minutes, the mystery. This mystery of a spiritual living church led by a risen Jesus we can't see physically, guided by His Holy Spirit. That's a mystery. But you know what? I love this mystery. Do you? Are you willing to, first of all, give your life to the groom? Remember, we get it wrong way around. Sometimes we, we're serving the church, but we're actually not in love with the groom. And, and guys, remember what I said. It all starts. Really, how can we mirror the glory of God. How can we carry out this privilege always with our relationship? And guys, you know, I'm, I'm so challenged to come to God's house and make sure that I'm connecting with Jesus. Have you connected with Him this morning?